particular. Um, we no special sponsors this week. If you know of anyone or you want to sponsor, you can contact me. Um, and we are going to get started. Chapter this week, we're on chapter 13. We are moving right along. Last week, chapter 12, we finally introduced the Bainani, like the long-awaited Bainani, who we know is our goal and who we know this whole book is about. So it took till chapter 12 to finally introduce him properly or her, him or her. And um, we also learned the first practical tool that the Tanya gives us to like start on the path. What's the tool? The tool is Moach Shalat Al Halev. Your mind rules your heart. Translated as impulse control, right? Now, do we have impulse control naturally? Are we born with it? Or is this something that we have to acquire? This is something that we are born with. We don't have to go out and get it. We don't have to create something new that's inside of us. We have it. All we have to do is use it. Okay, so the first tool that the Tanya gives us, that the Altar Rebbe gives us, is something that we already have. We just have to use it. Now, basically, through chapter 15, we are going to slowly learn more and more and more about this character that's the Bainani, okay? So till chapter through chapter 15, it's going to be all about the Bainani and who he is. Now, obviously, the whole book is really about the Bainani and the journey, but now through 15 is when we understand like what's the makeup of the bandy, what what are his struggles or her struggles and what you know and how and, and just learning about the bandy as a person okay and the tools we're going to learn tools too so chapter 13 um goes back to um a phrase that we briefly discussed in chapter one we didn't go into it in depth um, and it's a verse that tells us the difference, the differences between a tzaddik, a rasha, and a bainani. Okay, so um, it says about the bainani that um, it says a bainani shoftan. What does that mean? It means that this and this, who are we referring to? The yitzhar and the yitzhar tov, the godly soul and the animal soul, both rule him. Okay, we know this because we talked about the small city, how we have two kings that are fighting for complete domination, right? So basically, we imagine that we have, um, what, first of all, what, is, what, is judge, what do judges do? Judges give verdicts, right? So, so how do, what are we trying to say about the Bani? Is that we have little two little birdies on the Bani's shoulder, right? We have the Yitzhahara that is constantly trying to um, steer us down the path of um, self-preservation and selfishness and self-serving. And we have the, the Yitzhah Tov, the godly soul, which is wanting us to, to facilitate God's will in this world, right? To do things that are godly, to make the world a better place, to change the world's reality, right? Like, so we have these two little birdies chirping in our brains and neither of them get the final verdict because we need a tie, we need someone to break the tie, right? Who, who, what, who or what breaks the tie? It says, Hashem comes and breaks the tie. And it says that 
the Yetzir Tov, the godly soul or the good inclination would never be able to conquer the, um, the godly, the animal soul without God's intervention. Because the animal soul is very powerful and also because it likes to tap into what we think is our nature, which is self-preservation, right? So to, in order to overcome that, the godly soul has a little bit of an extra help. And who, what is that extra help? Hashem, God helps intervene and helps us conquer the animal soul, okay? So, <clears throat> what, so we can overrule the Yetzirah. We, so yes, does the Yetzirah, does the evil inclination, does the animal soul have an opinion? Yes, of course he has an opinion, right? But we don't have to be afraid of the animal soul. We don't have to be like panicked by it because the animal soul is doing what it's programmed to do. Remember we gave that, you know, example of like, even though the animal soul is trying to get us sometimes severe from the path deep down, it doesn't want to succeed, right? So the animal soul is doing what it's programmed to do, okay? And everyone, right? We live in 2021, everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? Um, unless you're canceled, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So the animal soul, the Itzahara, can have an opinion, but we don't have to worry about it, okay? Like, we have the ability, with God's help, to overcome the animal soul, okay? Now, what is unique about the Bainani? The Bainani is always going, the godly soul is always going to win the verdict in the Bainani, right? Why? Because he has complete behavioral control, right? So the right stuff is always going to um, over, like the right, the right behavior is always gonna come out of the Bainani, right? He's always gonna do the right thing. So the, the Yetzer Tov, that godly soul is always going to win the verdict of the Bainani, okay? So will he have conflict raging inside of him? Yes, absolutely, right? The conflict was going to continue to surge inside of him and, and, and be on fire, but it's never going to be translated into behavior. Now, in, in the world's eyes, the Bainani will look exactly like a tzaddik, right? Why? Why is the Bainani going to look exactly like the tzaddik? Because he has perfect behavior. The only difference between a tzaddik and a bani is the insides. The insides of a tzaddik doesn't have a raging conflict inside of him. So of course, um, he, the bani is going to look like a tzaddik because behaviorally they're the same. Behaviorally, the tzaddik and the bani are the same. It's only in the inside that they're different. So, and the, to the world's view, to people who are observing the bani and the tzaddik, you're not going to be able to tell a difference. Okay. So that's a very important um, piece of information. Because if we go back again to chapter one, um, there's another phrase in chapter one that says, we touched upon it very, very briefly. Chapter one had a lot of things that we're gonna keep on going back to and revisiting because it's the basis of the whole Tanya. So it says, 
um, before a soul comes down to this world, it has to promise to be a tzaddik and not to be a Russia. Okay. And even if the whole world tells you that you're a tzaddik, don't believe them and view yourself as a Russia. Okay. You're with me so far. We're supposed to promise that we're going to be a tzaddik and not a Russia. And Okay, let's say we're doing that. And the whole world is telling you that you're doing awesome and you're a good person and you're telling, don't believe them. Believe them like you're Russia. Why? Why shouldn't we believe them? Because of what we just said. On the outside, we can look like a tzaddik. But, and on the inside, we're still full of struggle. So only we can know that about ourselves. So if the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, look back inside yourself and, and, and be true and honest and be like, you know, I'm not really like a tzaddik. I have struggles inside of me and I still have work to do. So the tzaddik and the bainani on the outside look identical, but we know that they're not. So sometimes even internally, once in a while, the bainani can actually feel like a tzaddik. Sometimes the vanity gets a reprieve from the struggle. And this is what this chapter talks about. When the times where the vanity actually feels like a tzaddik on the inside too, and he doesn't have huge conflicts raging inside of him. Um, before we move on, any questions? You may unmute or put questions in the chat box. Is everyone with me so far? Yes. Okay. So when is the time that um, that could happen. When is there a time that the baby gets a break from the struggle and the insides feel kind of like his outsides and he's not struggling? Um, that time is during prayer. Okay. During prayer, not every prayer, but if the baby has a really connected and spiritual and like focused behavior, the Yetzirah, the animal soul goes to sleep, okay? And he leaves the Bani alone. What does that mean? It means that he doesn't feel the two birdies on his shoulder, right? He's so involved in his Davni and he's so encompassed and he's so present in his godly experience, the animal soul can't handle it and it goes to sleep. Now, it's only sleeping. What does it mean if it's sleeping? That any minute it could wake up, right? Any minute it could wake up and start bothering you again. So it's not like a tzaddik because even both levels of tzaddikim, the lower level of tzaddik, he completely nullified his yetzahara and it's non, almost, it's non-existent. I mean, a tiny little bit is left, but it's not active whatsoever. And in the complete tzaddik, he's transformed his yetzahara to a double yetzer toe, right? In the bainani during prayer, the yetzahara is alive and well, right? And it's kicking. But during this special prayer, it's sleeping, which means it's not bothering anybody. But could it wake up any minute? Will it wake up again? Absolutely, right? Because if it didn't wake up again, then it would be dormant and he would turn into a tzaddik. So, the fact that he's still a bainani means that his Yetzirah at any minute can wake up and bother him again. But during this special prayer, 
it is sleeping. And he gets to enjoy the spiritual moment without conflict. Okay. So this is a very, it's a very powerful thing, right? Um, now, if only a person can feel the Dobbin all day long, right? And feel this beautiful, you know, connection um, that happens when you have this special prayer, right? But um, it's, this state of davening would be nice to have all the time, right? He, it means he's, he's free of struggle and he's having a tzaddik like experience, but um, it, it's, it's, not, it's not something that's sustainable for the bainani all the time, okay? So just like, um, remember we spoke about how, basically what we're saying is that a bainani can have a tzaddik moment. Okay, we've, we've mentioned this before. A bani can have a tzaddik moment. What does that mean for us? For us as aspiring banis, we can have bani moments, right? Like it's the hierarchy. We who are aspiring, who's on the journey of a bani, um, can have a bani moment and a bani can have a tzaddik moment. So the take home message is like, wow, like we can go home today and have a bani moment, which is huge. Okay, so um, now let's say a person is a Bainani for 10 years straight, right? He made it. He's a Bainani for 10 years straight, meaning his actions are perfect. His insides are struggling, but his actions are perfect. Um, what do you think? I want you to try to answer, okay, um, in the chat or on mute. What do you think happens to your animal soul while you're an active bani and you're an active bani for a long period of time so meaning your animal soul never wins what do you think's happening to that animal soul um during this 10-year period of a bani or longer i want you to think about this very carefully anyone want to answer No takers? Okay. Do you think it's getting weaker or stronger? I think it's yeah. still fight. It's still fighting, like just as hard, no? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, here, here's someone here. Okay. Um, okay, does it any moment mean that they're just doing the right thing at the moment? Okay, let me answer that question. Is, is does it be, is, when someone's having a bainani moment, it means that they have done something for completely godly, um, with with their with totally invested and completely godly, right? So basically, when we're doing a mitzvah with the right wholeheartedness and intentions and we're like really in the mitzvah and we've like we're enveloped by it i would call that a bani moment because a bani moment is means perfect action so when we're doing something that's godly and it's a perfect action that's a bani moment okay let me know if that does, does not answer your question um okay so when when we are let's say we're we're a bani for 10 years right um the 
they, the animal soul, the Sahara, is getting stronger. Okay. It's not, it's not like getting weaker because it's not being used. It is ready to go as soon as you give it the chance. Bainani doesn't give the animal soul of the Sahara a chance whatsoever because um, he has perfect action. So he's not giving it space. But if he were to, then it would be ready to go in an instant. Okay, I, I, I see a hand raised. What does that mean? Do you have a question? How do I, do I call on you? Like how do, I don't know how this works with your hand raised. If you have a question, unmute yourself and just ask the question. Um, okay, so it's like example, like you know how you have like your stereo on full blast and then you don't, to turn it off, you don't lower it, but you just unplug. And when you plug it back in, what's gonna happen? It's gonna come on in full blast. It's not gonna come on quietly. Right, that's kind of like the bainany. Like you unplug the bainany, but if you were to plug it back in, it's going to be like rearing and loud and ready to go. It is not getting weaker. Now, this can sound discouraging, but I don't want you to take it that way. It's just, it's just really to know what's happening inside of us and and practically. But we're really focused on the positivity and the actions here. But it's important to know that don't get too like, don't get too comfortable just because your bainani, your your animal soul is out of practice, so to say, and it's not being used. It is the by the mere fact of you eating and sleeping and taking care of your body, the animal soul is getting fueled. Because the way the animal soul gets fueled is just self-preservation. Now, sometimes we take self-preservation to an extreme level and it becomes self-indulgent, right? But but just by the mere fact of eating and sleeping and taking care of ourselves, which we have to do, that's feeding the animal soul. Now, the cool thing is, is that we have the ability to use the animal soul's power to fuel our godly engine. So we can take that power that, um, that we're feeding the animal soul with and use it for godliness but it's very easily um, derailed and it's very easily misused. The energy of the animal soul is really easy to misuse. So when we're, when we're a baby or if someone's a baby for even 10 years and never slipped, doesn't mean his animal soul is not strong. It's very strong. We're just not giving it the opportunity to express itself. And by the mere fact, by the fact that we're feeding our bodies, we're feeding the animal soul. Okay. And that means that we have the opportunity to use that power for the good, right? We can fuel our godly behaviors with our animal soul, but it's also very easy to use the animal soul's energy for not godly things, right? We can, it can go either way. Okay. So, um, any questions before we move on? Okay, so the animal, the, the bayani, what's happening? How is he not falling trap into his animal soul? Like, how is his godly soul winning all the time? We know he's struggling, right? We know the animal soul has a very, very active voice. How is he not winning? Like, how is the animal soul being, like, 
how, or, or put it the other way, how is a godly soul constantly winning the battle? It's because the Bayani doesn't take the animal soul seriously, okay? And it's completely focused on its mission, okay? Um, what's, what's the Bayani's mission? To be godly and do perfect behavior and have perfect behaviors, right? So sometimes, you know, like the phrase, like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like, this is what the Bayani is doing with the animal soul. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have a voice you're in my head. I hear you, but not everything I hear, I have to pay attention to. Not everything I see, I have to like focus on. Not every, you know, you know what I'm saying? So like, he's really, it's not, I want to make it very clear. It's not like the Bainani has a trick up his sleeve and he's just really, really good at, at the game. He's very, very good at like, um, he's so smart and he's cunning and he, he can maneuver the animal soul around. Okay. We're not, the bandit doesn't play the game. He doesn't play the game. He doesn't give his animal soul the time of day. He is not focused on it. He's single-mindedly focused on his mission. Okay. Um, it's very interesting because the Bainani's job is it's not about like conquering your demons and like immersing yourself and figuring out why you, you do the things you do and analyzing it so we can conquer it. Like that, you know, we do that sometimes in our modern day, you know, self-character development. Like we have to understand why we do the things that we do and immerse ourselves in it. And, and you know, sometimes we're so immersed in our, in our negativities that like we start we don't even know how to get out of it. And we, we start acting that way even more, right? Um, it's like a cop who goes undercover and gets corrupted because if that's what you're surrounding yourself by all the time, it's hard to be the voice of reason. So that's why the baby doesn't play the game. He's not going inside the animal soul and conquering the demons and trying to understand what he's doing and why he's doing it and how to like maneuver and manipulate. He just doesn't play the game. He ignores it. He doesn't focus on it. And he single-mindedly single has a zero, zeroed-in focus on his mission, okay? And what's his mission? Is um, staying positive and doing godly things. And making sure that his behavior is perfection, okay? So um, the Alter Rebbe, let me just keep track of time. The Alter Rebbe has a question on the Bainani, okay? He says, when the Bainani has a tzaddik-like moment, when he prays, okay? He, yes, it's genuine, but is it, is it a genuine tzaddik moment? Like if he's doing this, this experience, for such a limited amount of time, what about it makes it genuine? Why do we have this question? Because we know that truth needs to be from beginning to end. It needs to be everlasting. For something to be true, like you can't like, you can't be like true and then kind of veer off and then be true again. Like it has to be straightforward truth. Truth is straightforward. You know, when we say it's complicated, like truth is not complicated. Like 
It's straightforward. So why are we saying the Bainanese having this genuine Sadiq-like moment if it's very short-lived? It's not the beginning and the end. He doesn't, he doesn't stay at Sadiq. So why are we saying that this Sadiq-like moment is possible and is it genuine and is it authentic and is it true, okay? So the Altarabba says, actually truth and permanence is relative. <laughs> which sounds like an oxymoron, right? And um, what are we saying? That Torah has to be permanent and constant, but they're relative, there's relative explanations for permanence. Okay, are you with me so far? Okay, how could that be? So does a Benini always feel this, um, inner reprieve. Does he always feel it? No, right? Because he's a beta, he's not a tzaddik. He usually feels constant struggle, but he's getting a reprieve from the struggle. So, but is he always capable of acquiring this reprieve? Yes. The Benini knows how to do it when he needs to. So what we're saying is, you are guaranteed to get this reprieve if you do the work. So if you go into your prayer and you give your prayer, if the Bani gives the prayer its whole, you know, energy and focus, then he will get there. So even if it's a fluctuating state of truth, right? Because it's not forever lasting. When he's doing it, we know that it's true and honest because he always has the ability to do it. And because he always has the ability to do it, makes it possible that when he does it, it is genuine and true. Okay? Now, he can't be in a constant state of this reprieve because that would make him a tzaddik. But he always, like, if he's in extreme struggle and he wants to feel inner peace, he knows that he can sit down, he can immerse himself in prayer, and he can get there. He can have a tzaddik moment. He can do it. He is capable. And so the fact, um, the fact that he can do it makes, when it makes it when he does do it authentic, okay? So he's not a real tzaddik, but his tzaddik moment is real. So the same thing translates to us. We're, you know, we're still on the journey of Bani. So we're not real Bainanis, but we can have real Bani moments. Why? Because each and every one of us is capable of behavioral perfection. Okay? We are all capable of behavioral perfection, uh, perfection because that, this is what our journey is. Bainani is attainable. So when we have a Bainani moment, it's authentic and real because we're capable of it. It's not like this crazy moment of inspiration that just lands on us. And then as soon as the inspiration leaves, it's over. Okay. I actually want to delve into this a little bit. What's the difference between emotions and, in, and intellectual? What's the difference between an emotional experience and an intellectual experience? An emotional experience is fleeting. Okay, it's using um, our emotions which come and go. When we use our intellect, like Chabad, Chachma Bin Adas, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, when we do, when we 
when we reach an emotion that way, it's because we put in the work and it's coming from our brain and it's lasting because it comes from us and it takes work. Emotions are like fireworks and, and spiritual ecstasy. And what happens the second the fireworks show is over, we're back to who we were. But when we do something with intellect, it slowly, slowly changes us and it's permanent. Okay, the moment, the, like the bandy moment I might not be permanent, but the, the journey and the progression and the succession of our journey is permanent. We, we cha we're changing, we're making slow, permanent changes. So for example, um, it's like, I don't know, like if everyone can relate to this example, but like going to seminary, right? Like seminary, you can be like, an emotional spiritual high and you're praying every day and you're learning and you you can you have you know you have great behaviors and a lot of times as soon as seminary is over we go back to our old selves because the emotional environment is not there anymore okay so that's the example of like an emotional change or an intellectual change so we don't that's why Chabad Hasidus focuses so much on the intellect that's why we focus so much on what births emotions, what births proper emotions is intellect. So because that is everlasting, that will stick with you, okay? And um, you can also generate it anytime. When our emotions are coming from our intellect, like we said, we can meditate. We can be intentional about the emotions we're creating. So we can sit down and intentionally create an emotion. We can intentionally create a godly emotion. You cannot do that with an inspiration. An inspiration has to strike and it's there and it's gone, okay? So when we use our intellect to create these emotions, we can do it at any given moment. We don't have to be inspired to create godly emotions. Guys, this is like mind-blowing and really, really practical. We don't have to be on a spiritual high or be inspired to serve God. We don't have to be inspired to create godly emotions. We can do that with our intellect at any time, any place, anywhere. Okay, so do you know how powerful that is? Doesn't it make you feel like, wow, I'm in control. Like I don't have to wait until I'm at some spiritual uh, retreat to feel godly and then to act godly, right? Then you're waiting on some spiritual experience and it's not in your hands, right? You're waiting from some out outside external thing to inspire you, but when, it comes from our intellect, we're in control and we can create those emotions within ourselves and we don't need inspiration for that, okay? So that's like one of the main messages of this chapter. So basically you can put the Bani in any environment and he will not lapse. He will not be influenced by his environment because it's not an environment thing, okay? It's a personal commitment. So when a baby has this personal commitment that's unbreakable, it doesn't matter where you stick him. It doesn't matter what kind of environment he's in because it's not an environment thing. He's not a baby because of the environment that he's in. He's a baby because of his personal commitment to be so, okay? So um, it's like um, the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, okay? Um, What's a thermometer? The thermometer takes the temperature in the room. So we, like sometimes we're spiritual thermometers, right? Like we take the temperature of the room, 
we read the room. Is the room spiritual? Is where I am spiritual? Then I can be spiritual, right? That's a thermometer. The baby is a thermostat, right? The thermostat tells the room what temperature to be. You're with me? The thermometer tells the room what temperature to be. The bani is going to affect his surroundings and he and he tell he controls the temperature. He's not letting outside environments control the temperature. Okay? Um so any environment that the bani is in, he will never lapse. Um and even sometimes he can be have tzaddik like moments because he can create those emotions and that connection intentionally. So not only is a bandy never going to waver from his perfect behavior, sometimes his insides can be perfect too. Not all the time, but sometimes. Okay. Um, okay. The last point that I want to discuss before we do a quick meditation is that behavioral perfection is the indication that this person is a bainani, okay? It's a symptom, it's not the cause, okay? I, I want you to really, really focus on that. It's not that the person has behavioral perfection, so now he's a bainani. It's because he's a bainani that he has behavioral perfection, okay? It's like the proof, it's a proof that this person's a bainani, not the cause. The behavioral perfection is not what's making him a bainani. He has behavioral perfection because he's a baby. So what's the cause? What makes this person a baby? Okay. The internal work and devotion to being flawless. The work, the internal work that he does and the commitment and the devotion that he puts into being flawless. That's what makes him a baby. And the outcome of that is behavioral perfection. The outcome of the commitment is the fact that he behaves perfectly, not the other way around, okay? So the more we learn Tanya, the more we realize that the goal, okay, this is actually the most important part of this chapter. So I want you to like, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, that's fine. You can always listen to it again. I'll have it in my points to ponder. But the, the more you learn Tanya, the more you realize that the goal is not to be conflict-free. Conflict is not your enemy, okay? It's not the problem. We're not trying to get rid of our conflict, okay? Actually, in later, I think in, in the 20s, like chapter 27 around, we're gonna learn how conflict is actually pretty positive and we should celebrate it, okay? Because conflict itself has inherent value. The goal of life is not that it should be easy, okay? The goal of life is to serve God. I had to like read this a couple of times, especially like the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I just, I want it to be easy. Okay, I just went to the aisle. I just went to the Rebbe's resting place. And I'm like, I need it to not be such a struggle. And then I, I read this chapter and I'm like, oops, like, it's not going to be easy, right? The goal of life is not to be easy. The goal of life is to serve God, okay? So we are not serving God despite our conflict. We're serving God with our conflict. We're, the, the, we're serving Hashem with our struggle. The, our struggle is the service. 
when we struggle, that is when we are serving Hashem. So we are not trying to get rid of the conflict that is not in our wheelhouse. Remember, we're not trying to be tzaddikim. We are using our conflict in the service of Hashem. Okay, so when you learn that your conflict is actually your service and the struggle, when we struggle, we are actually serving Hashem in the, in the struggle is the service. That is very powerful. And it actually like, I don't know, for me, like lets me breathe a little. I'm like, okay, like if I'm struggling, at least I'm serving God with my struggle, right? Because sometimes, I don't know, it feels very overwhelming. The struggle can take us down. But when we have the perspective, like, no, no, the struggle is your service. That's how you're serving Hashem. That's how you're giving him a piece of you. I mean, at least it, it gives it purpose, right? And, it, and we don't feel so as depressed. And as, you know, obviously we don't ask, we don't ask for struggle. And we're going to get into that in many other chapters. The, the, the message of this is not to ask for struggle. The message is, is that guess what? We all struggle. There's not a person in this world who doesn't struggle. So let's have a different perspective on our struggle. Our struggle is our service, okay? And that is what I want you to take home today. So I have two minutes to take questions if we have any, and then we'll go into meditation and then I'm gonna run to my flight. Um, so any questions before we meditate? No? Okay, here we go. All right. Everybody get comfortable, take a deep breath and close your eyes when you're ready. Take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Follow your breath. Don't try to change it. Just go with its natural rhythm. Breathing deep or shallow. I want you to also visualize that any tension that's in your body to let it just melt away and observe like, where do you keep your tension? Is it in your gut? Is it in your chest? Is it in your back? Where is your tension stored? And just imagine all that tension just melting out of your body. Okay, so slowly bring your attention to these points to ponder. A Benoni can have a tzaddik moment when he prays. Okay. Just like a Benoni can have a tzaddik moment, we can have a Benoni moment. And it's true and authentic.
when we create an emotion through intellect, it has staying power, okay? A an emotion that just comes from inspiration is fleeting. It's not gonna stick. And we, we have the ability to create an emotion through our intellect and we can do it at any time. It doesn't matter the environment that we're in or if we're feeling inspired. At any moment, we can create an emotion. The goal is not, is not that life should be easy, okay? The goal is to serve God. We serve God with our struggle. Our struggle is our service. Let that sit with you for a minute. When you think about your struggle being your service, what does that bring up in you? And where do you feel that in your body? Just observe it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to understand it. Just observe like, what's your initial feeling when you, when you hear the struggle is your service? Does it bring you joy? Does it freak you out? Does it stress you out? Does it relax you? Does it comfort you? And I want you to take that thought with you throughout this week. Pesach definitely can bring out the struggle so when you're cleaning your kitchen or when you're cooking and peeling 5,000 million potatoes, the struggle is the service. Guys, we're doing it in our struggle. We're serving God in our struggle. Okay, so slowly bring your attention back to your breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. Okay, how are you guys doing? Anyone wanna share how they feel after this meditation? Let's see, actually I can't, I have to see the, where's my chats? here. More relaxed. Okay, good. Good. Okay. So there's no class next week and there's no class the week after. We're taking a two-week Passover break. Okay. I already see we're a much smaller group today. I think everyone's already invested in Pesach. I want to see you back here in two weeks. Okay. Do not let yourself drop off the bandwagon because we're taking a break. Okay. So I will see you back here after Pesach. Have a wonderful, kosher, and happy Pesach. I hope it's a beautiful experience for everybody. And um, we'll see you back here soon, okay?